Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 1. Chapter 2, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 2. Shepherds and kings. As you look at the New Testament narrative, you discover that in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 2, you have the story of the shepherds. And we looked at that last week and discovered that perhaps these could have been temple shepherds who were raising lambs that would be used to sacrifice. We turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, this morning, and we discover the story of the kings. Now, you might wonder why there are two narratives, one in Matthew's Gospel and one in Luke's Gospel. And I think it's interesting as we make the comparison of these narratives to see how God put a perfect plan together. In Matthew's Gospel, we have the message to Joseph. Go ahead, Joseph, take unto you Mary, your wife, because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. In Luke's gospel, we have the narrative to Mary. Mary, you're highly favored. And you don't need to be afraid because that which is within you is from God. In Matthew's gospel, we have the genealogy of the king. For the king was to come down through the male ruler. And as you study that genealogy, you discover very quickly that that goes back to Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. In Matthew's gospel, there are five women who are listed in the genealogy. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary. You also discover that in Matthew's gospel, it's David through Solomon. In Luke's gospel, we have the genealogy of Mary the perfect man going back to Adam. And as you again look at David, if you put those genealogies side by side, and then I did that this, this past week, it, it's interesting what you find. Once you get to David and beyond, all of them are alike. But then you start to go toward Joseph and toward Mary, and you discover that they're different. Why? Because Jesus had two genealogies, one through Joseph and one through Mary. As you look at these accounts, you discover in Matthew's gospel that Jesus has been born. In fact, verse 1 of Matthew chapter 2 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. And in Luke's gospel you have the message to the shepherds, For unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The Magi, the wise men from the east, are in Matthew's gospel, and the shepherds are in Luke's gospel. In Matthew, you have Emmanuel, God with us. In Luke, we have a Savior in a manger. And in Matthew chapter 2, we have a young child. In Luke, we have a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And I share that with you this morning to, to let you know that God had it all planned out. There were no mistakes as far as the birth of Christ was concerned. In fact, Galatians tells us that when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were just at the right time. Now here in Matthew chapter 2, 
we fast forward a bit. Perhaps two years after the birth of Christ. And the reason we get that time frame is because when Herod went to kill the babies because he was afraid of the newborn king, he took the time that the star appeared to the wise men, and that was two years and under that he killed those children. We're not real sure. We don't know exactly when the wise men, the magi, arrived in Jerusalem and then on to Bethlehem. But we do know that Jesus was living in a house, and they had moved from the stable to the house. And we also know that the magi were in search of a king. And so this morning we're going to look at that search, and we're going to see how it's fulfilled in the Scripture, and then we're going to talk very quickly this morning about what we find when we search, and we understand that God sent his son to be the savior of the world. Let's look at our text this morning. Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to begin with verse 1, and I'm going to read down through verse 12. You follow along in your copy of the scriptures, please. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, magi, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, this is in Micah, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the Magi, the wise men, secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they, the magi, went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. The story of the wise men. Now, who were these seekers? Who were these individuals that... God sent to honor the king and to worship him. We don't know how many there were. Traditionally, we say there were three because there were three gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. We don't really know where they were from. Scripture doesn't tell us, but we do know that they were travelers from the east. Perhaps they were from Babylon. 
in Babylon because in Daniel's day in Babylon, there were magi. As you read Daniel, you discover the word magician. That's the word we get from magi. And so there, there were these magicians or, or sorcerers. In fact, Daniel is called the chief of the magi. And he was in Babylon. Now, I happen to think that while Daniel was in Babylon, he had some great influence on those who worked around him. I, I believe that he had a great testimony with those who saw his consistency, those who recognized the stand that he took. And that then spilled over into their lives. So it's not inconceivable that these magi came from Babylon seeking the one born king of the Jews, having been influenced by Daniel and recognizing the true God. Someone sent me a link this past week that I listened to on a discussion with those who are of the religion of Zoroastrianism. And, and they think that the magi were part of them because the word magi in their religion means priests. Well, I'm, I'm not sure about that because ordinary priests would not have understood that there was a people named the Jews, that there was a king of the Jews, and probably wouldn't have traveled all of these miles seeking him. But these seekers were men from the east who came for a purpose in mind. They came to worship him. Now, as I think about that, there are several questions that come into my mind. One of the questions is this. What influence do I have on those around me? If Daniel had that kind of influence, and it lasted for centuries after he was gone... What kind of influence do I have? What kind of legacy am I leaving? What kind of impact do I have on my world? A second question that I have is, how far will I go to worship him? If they were from Babylon, they traveled some 700, 800 miles to Jerusalem. And in that day, that took some commitment. As Christy left the platform this morning, I stopped her and said, I needed that. We add a lot to worship, don't we? Our own comfort levels, our own preferences, our own tastes. And yet I'm wondering whether or not I'm willing to step out of my comfort level, step out of my preferences, step out of my taste to worship him. Would I go 800 miles following a star to find one who I understood was born king of the Jews? Questions in our lives. But not only were these seekers, there was also something else that God put into place here. He put an eastern star in place. Now, I don't know what that star was. As you look at Scripture, 
there are a number of folks who are things that are called stars. Human beings are called stars in Jude chapter 13. In Revelation chapter 1, angels are called stars. Sometimes planets or meteorites or comets can be called stars. And in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus himself is called a star. Someone gave me a video this past week that was very interesting. It's called the, the Star of Bethlehem. And, and if you've not seen that, Google that because it, it, it's really interesting to, to watch. And, and this individual came up with a, a theory that the star in Bethlehem was the planet Jupiter. And he tracks it back to B.C. and puts the dates together and puts the constellations together and, and shows how Jupiter comes down and stops and then makes a turn back up its orbit. That very well could have been. But this was a special star. In our text, there are at least nine identifiers about this star. This star announced a birth. That had been done. In Isaiah, we have, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. This star proclaimed a king. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Again, Isaiah, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This star defined a people. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The star rose in the east. It appeared at an exact time. I think it interesting. Herod didn't know much about the star. These magi show up in Jerusalem and searching for the king of the Jews. And Herod was astonished. Now he was afraid. And his response made all of Jerusalem afraid with him. But, but Herod hadn't seen the star. The shepherds hadn't seen the star. The people of Jerusalem hadn't seen the star. This star endured over a period of time because the Magi followed it. The star traveled ahead of them. And then the star stopped. It was indeed a special star. Now, I don't know whether it was a star or a planet or something that God just showed the magi that they followed. I don't know. But I do know this. It was all in God's plan. Do you believe that God can work out of the, all the details in your life according to his plan? Do you believe that God can do something special in your life? according to his plan? He did in the lives of the magi, the wise men. And if he could do that in their lives, can he not do that in our lives? The thing is, we have to be looking. I've thought on a number of occasions, what would have happened had the magi not been looking up? 
they wouldn't have seen the stars. And you know the problem in our lives? We don't look up enough. And sometimes we miss the stars. Those wonderful things that God wants to do in our lives. There was an eastern star. There were also attackers. In the days of Herod the king. And when Herod heard these things, according to our text, verse 3, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him, and you know the narrative. Herod talks to his chief priests and his scribes, and he says, do you guys know anything about this? They said, yeah, we know something about this. Micah says, Bethlehem. And so he calls them back together. I don't know the time frame. I don't know if they were there for a day or a week. I don't know. But Herod calls them back together, and he says, this is what I found out. You go search, and then come tell me so I can worship him. Yeah, right, Herod. If you were to go on in the narrative, you would discover how Herod worshipped him. Herod killed all of the children two years of age and under because he was afraid. Herod was an attacker. Herod the Great was a Roman client king of Judah. He's been described as a madman who murdered his own family and a great many rabbis. Someone wrote, the evil genius of the Judean nation prepared to commit any crime in order to gratify Herod's unbounded ambition. There were attackers those who wanted to go after the Christ child. We'll see this a little bit later, but they're here today. There are those who would destroy the wonder of the king of the Jews. And we need to be careful. There were also the religious of the day. They're identified as chief priests and scribes. Now, these were individuals who studied the Scriptures. They knew their Bibles, what they had. They had the Old Testament given to them. And as soon as Herod asked them, he said, yeah, we know about that guy. Now, they didn't believe that this was the guy. But, but they, they knew about that. They, they understood that at some point God would send forth his son. But they were just religious. They didn't have a relationship with God. They weren't interested in discovering the one who would come born in the manger. We have that today, don't we? A lot of religious people. A lot of folks who should know better that don't care. A lot of people that are just going through the motions of Christmas. Tied up in their own traditions, tied up in their own family matters, tied up in their, their own celebrations, and they miss it because there's no relationship with that babe in the manger. I'm thankful that the Magi were committed to keep seeking, weren't you? Aren't you glad that they followed the star? 
Now, Jerusalem is only about eight miles southwest of, I'm sorry, Bethlehem is only about eight miles southwest of Jerusalem. So, so it wasn't a, a long trip after they've gone 7,800 miles. But they were committed to go find the babe. And they were committed to following God's direction because they were warned by a dream. Remember that? We read that in the text. And they didn't go back to Jerusalem and report back to Herod. They returned another way. What's our commitment? I asked earlier how far we would go to find the king of the Jews. But you know, sometimes in our lives we almost get there. I, I mean, it's right there. We, we know that one more spiritual step and we'll make some real progress. And yet there's a roadblock that comes up and all of a sudden we get discouraged and we just don't take that extra step. You hear me challenge you about taking a next spiritual step in your life. Now, some of you may think that's kind of like a New Year's resolution. You make it on January 1 and you break it on January 2. Spiritual steps aren't like that. Spiritual steps are progressive sanctification in our lives where we grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And frankly, the older we are in the Lord, the more difficult it is to identify next spiritual steps. But sometimes we don't identify next spiritual steps simply because we're stuck. We're where we are, and we've been that way for years, and we're just very complacent and comfortable. Thank you very much. And yet, if we would just go on to Bethlehem, if we would just continue to follow the star, God's direction in our lives, if we would just understand that God has something else that he wants to develop in our lives. Had they not gone to Bethlehem, they would not have been able to honor and help the Christ child with the gifts. Now we think of these gifts, gold and frankincense and, and myrrh. Gold were gifts to a, a king. Frankincense were gifts to a deity, the Son of God. Myrrh, gifts to man. And they certainly were there to honor Christ as they worshiped him. But God had it all planned out. What were Joseph and Mary's next steps with their young son? They had to flee to Egypt. Remember that? Did you ever think about where they got the money for that vacation? It wasn't something that was in their savings account. It wasn't something that they had planned for. That trip was not an anticipated event. But here the Magi show up with some gold. <laughs> you think about that? Here the Magi show up with 
precious frankincense and myrrh may well have been used for Mary and Joseph to make the trip to Egypt. You know, that was a, a wonderful time when the Magi showed up. The King of Kings, born in the most humblest of places. God Himself in flesh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, what do you and I find on our search? Let me very quickly identify some truths for you. Number one, there is a sovereign God who is in control. May I say that again? There is a sovereign God who is in control. Not only back in Bethlehem in the days of Herod the king, not only when a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, but today, December 11th, 2016, there is a sovereign God who is in control. You believe that? I mean, everybody ought to be saying amen. Okay, let's practice. All right, here's our practice. Amen. All right? Now I'll give you a shot to do it. There's a sovereign God who's in control. Let it be so because it is. That's what amen means. And in our search, our search so that we can be the kind of people God wants us to be. Our search about how to walk this journey that we call life. Our search of growing in grace and in knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our search of progressive sanctification. We have a sovereign God who's in control. Amen? Amen. And life is imperfect. A week ago, Al Carey discovered that. But if you'll talk to Al you'll find out how our sovereign God put pieces together this week to be able to meet the need that Al had when he discovered that life was imperfect. That's our God. In our search, we will discover that there are enemies that would destroy the king. Enemies that would cause us to doubt. Enemies in our culture. Have you seen this? A billboard put out by atheists. You know it's a myth. This season, celebrate reason. (laughs) There's a new one that they've put out. Go ahead and skip church. Just be good for goodness sake. Nativity scenes are being taken away. And you and I can be so dissatisfied with some of the things in our culture, but it should not surprise us. There are enemies. In fact, we're told that we are to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to fight against the wiles of the devil. It shouldn't surprise us. Jesus said, in this world you're going to have tribulation. I'm glad the verse doesn't end there. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Amen? In our search, recognize there are going to be enemies, so be prepared to fight. In our search, 
understand that all the information we need is provided for us. Hmm? God has given to us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. And given us his spirit to indwell us and teach us all things and bring things to our remembrance. We have his word. The Magi didn't have this. We do. And God has given us all we need. The reactions are going to be mixed. <laughs> right? We, we find that in the Christmas narrative. The proprietor, the innkeeper, said there was no room. In the pasture, the shepherd said, let's go find out who this is. The potentate heron reacted with hostility. The people of Jerusalem acted with numbness. The priests, indifference, and the wise men pursued the opportunity to worship. Wasn't any different than what Paul found at Mars Hill, was it? All of these monuments to gods, we're going to cover all the bases. But I want to talk to you about the unknown God, the one you haven't figured out yet. The reaction is going to be mixed. Understand that in our journey, our whole purpose is to come and worship. That's what Christy sang this morning, right? It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Not about me. Not about the parking lot. Not about the worship center. It's all about you, Jesus. And in our search, we need to come and worship. Why? Because he is king. Amen? He is the king. And one day, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. Amen? And you and I, Understand that now. Every year, I, as well as many of you, reread the Christmas narrative. I start in Matthew chapter 1, the, the story to, to Joseph. Then I jump over to Luke chapter 1, where we get Mary and all that's going on in her life, and read Luke chapter 2, and then I go back to Matthew chapter 2 and try to get the chronology. And every time I'm amazed that God put it all together. God had it all planned out, didn't he? And as we gather in 2016, our God from eternity past had every detail figured out as he would send his son to be the Savior of the world. Now, if our God can do that, understand that our God has every detail of each of our lives figured out too. All we have to do is follow the star, his direction, our lives because it's all about worshiping the king let's pray father
thank you for this morning and the opportunity we've had just to look at this scripture and not take it apart very well, but to apply it to our lives. And Lord, may we understand that your whole purpose was to send your son to be the savior of the world. And after years and years of sacrifice, atonement being made, covering for the sins of the people, you sent your son as the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Thank you, Father. May we worship him. May we adore him. May we follow him in every area of our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.